नमस्ते काल एक बड़ी खास एपिसोड है ये क्रॉस बॉर्डर कॉन्वर्जेशन जो होती हैं इनमें बहुत ज्यादा मजा आता है स्पेशली हमारे आज के मेहमान क्योंकि बॉर्डर वही वाला क्रॉस करके पाकिस्तान आ चुके हैं इवन दो तीस साल हो चुके हैं उस वाक्य को बट किताब अभी आई है नेवर टेल दम पीपल बाई किसाबन नोट्स ऑन पाकिस्तान हिंदू के एडिटर थे पहले पाकिस्तान को रिस्पॉन्डेंट थे पाकिस्तान में थे और पाकिस्तान में उन्होंने कैसे बोर खाया ये हम उनसे आज खुद पूछेंगे कैसे हैं सर आप some about the bangladesh operation searchlight there was one person i mm. think the latest i put on paris good boy mm. but then i realized it's two hours so i've kept it aside and see it tomorrow or something सर अब लेट लेट्स गेट जंप स्ट्रेट इनटू द बुक वैसे तो हमने ये स्केड्यूल इस तरह किया नहीं था लेकिन ये हो गया है तो सारी जो हेडलाइंस uh, है वो तो एस के बारे में है डू हैव एनी थॉट्स ऑन व्हाट हैपेंड इंडियन uh with mean, till that issue is resolved we can't start talks though uh, i don't know whether it's a dilution of position no because he's not uh, he said statehood he's not talked about 370 so i don't know if there is a slight dilution of position there and our guys i mean terrorism is an issue here there's no you know there's no way any minister in india can sort of ignore it it has to be put on and again yesterday there were two incidents which are not I mean, it was a clash. There were two clashes yesterday and day before, so there was no way the minister also could have you know, gone around it. So, I think, I think he also, yeah. he he also needed to speak to a local audience as well. I think. अगर वो जो जो उन्होंने कहा और जिस तरह उन्होंने behave किया, अगर वो नहीं करते तो उनका अपना जो electorate है, वो उनको नहीं छोड़ता. I think more than the national audience, he was speaking to a local audience. Absolutely, and especially this week they have the Karnataka election. which is very important for them so you know it's uh, um, so that is a uh, and uh, i mean they have been the party the hawk party all through so for yeah. them now suddenly to become soft is very difficult so do you feel i think you do you feel ke ye ye cheez thodi unique hai ke pakistan mein kyunki abhi ek party opposition mein hai to jo mauka unko milta hai do you feel historically aisa hua hai ke jo indian position hai उसको पाकिस्तान में भी एक पॉलिटिकल पार्टी सपोर्ट करिए इस दफा पीटीआई और जो इंडियन पोजिशन है वो थोड़ी काफी सिमिलर थी तो Um, I suppose yeah. On foreign policy, there is more or less a consensus, mm-hmm. or at least a outward show of consensus, you know, over here. Uh, Pakistan maybe. I mean, how far can PPP go away from the PML line, and how far can either of them move away from the establishment line? I don't think they can, or even they want to. I don't know if they want to also. Yeah, so I think. Oh yeah, voting का बात है ना दोनों. They have to go back to the retreat sometime. Yeah, yeah. I might disagree with something Mr. Bilawal said, but as far as representing the state is concerned, I think he did an yeah. excellent job. If people were expecting that from this visit, India-Pakistan peace will come, so this is his bravery. As far as the <laughs> multilateral meeting goes, I think Bilawal did as exactly. well as he could yeah. out of this visit. Yeah. No, he is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, till I think till next year, till our parliament elections are over, you can't really expect anything very much. You know? Has to go like this. And that's being realistic. It's not being mm. anti-everyone. And your thing situation also is not very stable as yet. No, so what can we do? Yeah, yeah. हमारा भी इलेक्शन ईयर है अगर हम इसको थोड़ा हिस्टोरिकली देखें आपने नवाज शरीफ के इलेक्शन में भी आकर पाकिस्तान में रिपोर्ट किया था कौन कौन से जंक्चर्स हैं जिनको आप इम्पोर्टेंट समझते हैं कि दिस यू हैड रियल पॉसिबिलिटी ऑफ पीस वुड यू से प्री कारगिल अटल बिहारी वाजपेयी विजिट वुड यू से दैट वॉज द क्रिटिकल जंक्चर 
I think so. I think that was a very critical juncture. I think because, I mean, as your several people on your broadcast have said, no, he came there and he came to Minare, Pakistan. And that was, I think, has been a, it's been there in the Pakistani mind. Do we accept Pakistan as a separate country? And then you have this person representing the Hawk Party coming there and saying we accept. So that was, I think, a fairly big move from Vajpayee's side. From Nawaz Sharif's side, also, I think there was, I think, the, I was not in cover that election, 98, and then again, the uh, later election, when I think he fought on a platform of let's open trade and what. So that, I, th I think, is a very, very big step for him to take. Uh, then, of course, Musharraf got into the act and messed up the whole thing and then tried to rescue the whole thing, whatever it was. Mm. So I don't think I was there at the breakthrough point as far as India-Pakistan was there. But, uh, see, I know you don't like, don't think much of the established parties, but uh, I think it's very difficult for them, maybe because I'm older, so I think of the art of the possible. And I'm thinking that it's very difficult for these political parties to take on the establishment. So even to get to the stage where they assert civilian supremacy, at least that much, uh, I think at least Nawaz Sharif did make an attempt on two occasions. And another thing which I really felt a lot of, I, mean, I, I was not a Sharif supporter at all during my stint there. I mean, you know, ZR sort of mm -hmm. sponsored guy, and the rallies in his rallies, uh, slogans in favor of ZR. But the fact when he took on Isaac Khan and then onwards, there was a certain willingness at least that, you know, I, as a civilian prime minister, have a right, have an authority, which I will assert. And when he was out of power, unlike even Benazir, he did not go to the army to, for help to restore, to get back to power, I think. I think there was a difference there. I think with NRO, who was involved in PMLN, there was a way to come back without the blessings of... Okay. Oh. Or at least some some elements of the establishment, if not the entire establishment, because by that yeah. time, Sharaf had also lost popular support within the establishment. So more than PPP right. and PMLN, it was General Kiani and uh, all the things okay. that happened in the background, which okay. helped bring Sharaf down. Yeah. Before I go back to 1990 and we talk about your visit to Pakistan, uh, how did you see Modi's uh, landing in, uh, in in Jati Umrah and then going to Nawaz Sharif's niece's wedding? You feel like that was there was also some genuine uh, opportunity for peace or was this just an, a visit for optics? Uh, see, if you take the fact that he was trying to follow up on Vajpayee. He's not followed up on Vajpayee in many other respects. But uh, at that stage, uh, I think there is a, I think it's not just Pakistan India. I think it's also a possibility of what happens in Central Asia. Do we open up with Iran? You know, all those possibilities open up. So maybe there was an element of, let's try it out. Might not have been anything more than that, but let's try it out. Because that was quite a bold move to suddenly land up in Lahore and come for the party and stuff like that. But then after that, I mean, to have expected Sharif to respond immediately was a bit naive. I don't think, you know, it's not possible for Sharif to have at that stage, he had just come in himself, to have turned around and changed the whole thing. I think it was a bit premature. I think Sharif... I, yeah, I think Namashiri went to when Modi became he, prime Modi, Modi swearing, yeah, he became, yes. yeah, he, he came for the swearing and all the South Asian heads of state, which was a good step. I mean, it was a good step because I think someone on your podcast only said about how regions develop and it's not just states. Yeah. So, yes, it's I a good idea. Rumai. So if we, if we go back to you coming to Pakistan, what are some of the perceptions yeah. that you had about the country before coming here? See, before I came there, I think I've written my book. I had been covering Khalistan, the Khalistan movement. Then I covered the first stage of Kashmir. And see, before that, say before 84, before 80s, there was not that much of a hostility towards Pakistan. Quite separate, yes, competent, uh, uh, the wars were there, uh, but there was not such intense hostility. But then when the terrorism started, I mean, the mood changed, you could feel the mood change, and I changed with it. Uh, so, 
uh, I mean, a lot of naivety also again that, you know, Benazir is the peace party and then she starts talking Azadi and that became a betrayal kind of a thing. So, I mean, it was like terrorism was there, but that same curiosity, is it, is it, I mean, are the people so hostile, are they really like this? But sort of a curiosity come, uh, sort of a, let us say, an anger also, when I first came there, yeah. Uh, and I had never interacted with Pakistanis before that. Never. I mean, I don't think even at a seminar, I, you know, so I didn't know what people on that side of the border were like. I had no clue. And I'm from the South, so there's no cultural affinity either. So, uh, How important is that so, distinction that South India may not have that partition hangover where they saw the violence firsthand, whereas North India, along the border towns at least, that lingering memory of what happened in 1947 still exists. Do you feel like North India and South India react differently to Pakistan because of that? See, now I think it's all over India. There is this, mm. uh, you know, hostility to Pakistan. It's become it's become a sort of a, uh, a default Pan thing. India. Pan India. Uh, and intensity might vary. And there is a distinction between Pakistan as a concept and Pakistanis as people. You can come across. I don't think you will face hostility individually. You might, but generally not. Uh, and there is a that there is a huge difference between say the north and the south. In the south, you won't fight it at all. Uh, see, I studied in Delhi, and I know some of the Punjabi refugees, second generation, first generation, second generation, who are extremely hostile, extremely hostile, and that was a hostility I couldn't understand. Uh, otherwise, we had no. no there's no memory, no, no stories, no nothing. Uh, okay, there's a sort of a concept of, you know, India broken up. But uh, again, there's no real connection to lands on that side either. So something south of Delhi, there really was not much of a hostility. So when, when we finally landed in Pakistan, did you see that hostility play out or did you also, because I also think that most of Pakistan, uh, yeah. In fact, I think we go the extra mile. If if an Indian visits, uh, there are many yeah. stories. Stores not taking money, and that yeah, hospitality, yeah, yeah, yeah. hospitality still exists. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think maybe probably more on that side than the side. But uh, it, yeah, I mean, I see there was no one who refused to help me or something because of my nationality or anything. In fact, uh, the first day I missed my flight, my connecting flight, and. I was sort of run, running to the front of the queue and, and the guys there helped me. So it's, it's, you know, sort of spoke to the guy, to the airlines people, kid about And then the airlines said they can't do anything. Then they told me what I could do as an alternative. So that sort of a thing is there. Uh, and then finding a place to stay or in the place where I stayed, uh, dietary habits, you know, very easily. No, I mean, people are willing to go to the way to sort of, so, which I thought be true, but it was sort of, you know. Yeah, what's uh, the story? Somehow some you managed to get a hold of a boar that you had to cook? What's the story? Yeah, yeah, that um, my landlord, he's a farmer from there, from near Badeva. So they shot a boar in their field and he brought the boar. Now, of course, he didn't know. He, he gave it to me and then he was, I think, a little, you know, unclean animal, how do I give it to this guy? But then <laughs> accepted it, it's a bore. And then how do we chop it? We didn't, I didn't know how to chop it. Then we went, went and caught hold of some guy, a cobbler from the Chidul Castle, you guys call it Chidul Castle, and he came and he did it for us. And a lot of distributed all around. So that was from our side. And of course, every Bakrid, we would get the plates Little saucers would come out. Of the thing. Oh, so, I, so, so, were you living in a uh, diplomatic enclave or anywhere? No. Were you with the people? No, with you with the people. I mean, it was Islamabad. You know, it's a bureaucratic town. Mm -hmm. It was even more sort of a bureaucratic town at that time. Uh, are you familiar with place with the place? Of course, of course. It's a sector called F. Uh, okay, I should be asking you. So, sector called F six one. Yeah. Uh, between. Uh, Sharai Faisal and and then the really posh areas, the diplomatic side. So somewhere in between, 
I think uh, sort of middle top of middle class kind of quality. We had a house there, uh, independent house, and uh, neighbors, some friendly neighbors on all three sides. So no problem. And would you face? Fact, were there any issues moving around Islamabad? Did you have security tailing you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was part of the job. You were there all the time. How, how did you figure out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Intelligence ke log hain jo piche. See, they are not very subtle. No, they are not very subtle. They'll come right up to your gate. Then after they come to know, they'll come up and say, "Aapke hifasat ke liye hai." And hifasat is right behind you, so it's not very comfortable. <laughs> but then, see, like one team was assigned for about say two months. So that chap is seeing you for two months. You are seeing him for two months. So after about the third or fourth week, you start chatting to each other. <laughs> and uh, of course, then. Diwali time, we had to give them sweets. I mean, they sort of expected it. <laughs> so it was, uh, I mean, it was normally like this. But then there would be the signal from top. Now get tough. And then it would all, you know, sort of spiral downwards. Then the chaps would change. The chasing would get more aggressive. Uh, yeah, I never got physically threatened or intimidated or anything, but. You knew that it has changed. No, no. I would, so, would you get questioned about what are you doing? Why are you interested? Not really. In not really. No, no, not really. Not really. No. I mean, they would see us going around doing things and they would follow you. But uh, they might ask the Pakistanis, what is this guy asking? Uh, and that you could see. You know, someone come to, you know, came to your house and he was driving away, they would stop the car and question them. Uh, but uh, only once in Karachi. This uh, Siddhi chap, he didn't know. I had gone to an Indian diplomat's house. And I was uh, coming back and this cop gave the bike, he stopped me. And it was Sai Apataru Sai. Everything was on Sai before and after the question. So it was hardly hostile. It was so. <laughs> and uh, was this quite common back then for Indian news agencies to send correspondents to Pakistan to report, which I don't no. think happens anymore, obviously. No, 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 no I don't think there's anyone there. Uh, see, there were three, according to some agreement they had. There was uh, the only newspaper was Times of India. And then you had the uh, agency, the PTA, Press Trust of India, and Audio Radio Doodrachan. And then they had a further round of negotiations and they said, okay, one more from each side. And Dawn from Pakistan and Hindu from India. Dawn backed off. And so the Hindu chances looked jeopardized. And they said, let the Hindu come. Then a year later, they let Hindustan Times also come in. So that was, so we had about five people there. And Pakistan had APP, uh, Radio Pakistan, and Jung. The Jung guy was very popular. Really, really. <laughs> Quite a guy. Who was it? His name Husseini. Husseini, yeah. Uh, so once I announced that you're coming, a lot of people... Uh had issues with the fact that the Hindu is a far left uh, publication. Is that a justified characterization by people in the comment section? Uh, of the Indian newspapers, especially at that time, Hindu was the left paper among the English papers. Uh, yeah, we are the only, I suppose, uh, left, left or center paper. Would you feel uh, that in yeah. India is also now changing because a lot of people also had issues with the publication itself because some people in the comments, again, they're not a good metric to judge the entire country or the populace by. But since I got a few of these comments and somehow the troll voices are always the loudest, I thought I'll just ask yeah. you, uh, some of the comments were like the 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 paper is misnamed, they don't actually represent the Hindus <laughs> and the Hindu cause. Uh, where, a, where do you think this is coming from and what is the situation which makes people say things like this? You see, uh, I joined the profession in 84 and uh, the Hindu being a southern based paper, we didn't have much coverage in the north. But I think I was one of the first from the paper's correspondent team to really venture in, deep into the, you know, into the Rural North. And places, uh, you say, oh, Hindu. So, Amarai paper, BJP guys would say, our paper. <laughs> so, they didn't know. They knew the name and they said, okay, our paper. And later on, they came to know about the Hindu's left correction. And then it would be why do you call yourself the Hindu, call yourself the Muslim. So, wow. it became. 
Wow, that that's a good riff on "Go Back to Pakistan." <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but I've I've never faced that hostility one on one. No one has told me that you know. Uh, it is more like the letters to the editor, or not even that. Now the social media is much more like. I mean, even if I talk about Pakistan, the left publication, the space for that has been right. squeezed out. I don't think you'd yeah. call any mainstream publication left, or no. maybe Dawn yeah. tries to be centrist, but they've also yeah. had their legs cut from under them. Would you say it's a similar oh. in India, where the publication space for the left uh, has has been reduced a lot or downsized? Yeah, I think, but for two reasons, two or three reasons. One is. Uh, the managements have turned more uh, commercial. So one generation before sort of gave more editorial freedom to the staff. And the staff, uh, yeah, so that was one. Now the younger generation is more hands-on. So that ad thing has come in, you know. You have to sell it to the, what do they have? They have a name for it, the upper bracket or whatever. So a leftist paper does not sell to that bracket. And that bracket is which is what brings the ad revenue. So you're out of sync with the marketing trend. So that's that's pressure from there. Then uh, I think after the collapse of the Soviet Union, the whole left ideology worldwide is in turmoil. No one knows which way to go. China going another way. So only it's only Cuba which is sort of keeping something of the old left. So that is there. Then in India, left also meant social welfare. Your left government was a social welfare government. And almost every party has taken on the social welfare. And so there's no one speaking against social welfare. So these, for these various reasons, you don't find a, a very strong left presence. I mean, left presence would be in, say, supporting secularism, or now supporting uh, a democratic order, or, or in the more Say supporting the LGBT community, that sort of work. You know. uh, so the labor unions again have not weakened; they're no longer as strong as they were. Labor issues are no longer as salient as they were. So for all that, uh, and then I think the main left agenda in India should have been land reforms. Now in my state, it's all the way through. I mean, we've got complete land reform. Bengal, they tried it, but it flopped. So other places, what has happened has been a natural process of land reform. The guys who actually tenant farmers have actually taken over the land, like in Bihar. Mm. So that is also not an issue. So the tenant farmer issues become an agro issue about uh, price to agro products and stuff like that. Mm. So the traditional left agendas are no longer there. Uh, we've not, fortunately, not had your establishment problem. So, uh, so India office. That's very central. I think the, the deviating paths that our country have taken, a lot of that might just go back to land reforms. And I know Nehru's also, Nehru and Nehru's legacy is also questioned by some quarters in India now. But the fact yeah. that there was an impetus towards land reforms and whereas Pakistan, yeah. I think we went the opposite way where uh, big landlords were given favors by the government yeah. and even yeah. leaders that we celebrate for economic progress, that economic progress was achieved by concentrating wealth at the top, specifically Ayub Khan and the 22 families. Right. So so that it's it's quite critical that that initial socialist agenda that Nehru had to make India yeah. what it is today. Of course, uh, but uh, in the States when Nehru's party, I mean, say UP and Bihar, not, uh, the land reforms really didn't go very far. It was more in the fringes where it uh, progressed. But that impetus to land reform was there. Yeah. That I think Nehru, that, that it's a good thing. You know, the idea that it is a good thing, that was there. Whereas I think in your case, what happened was that grand bargain with the Dauratanas and all that, which happened just before the formation of Pakistan. Mm. I think that put an end to the anti Zamindari. Ah, I think that is where Nehru is. The anti Zamindari, once he knocked out the top layer, mm. then the lower layers became easier to you know, handle. Do you feel Nehru's legacy is also being revisited and questioned again in India these days? It is big. It is big. It is definitely being revisited. Uh, I mean, the, there's a lot of... Uh, see, there were mistakes made, but this is all in hindsight. You can say 
62, the forward policy to China. I think it was a very stupid policy now, but I'm saying it now from this today's perspective. And, uh, and people, whereas others would say we should have been more aggressive. How could we have been more aggressive? You didn't have the resources to be more aggressive. So, so uh, you know, Nehru, some of the things which he did was very uh, visionary. Maybe he didn't have the, or we were not big enough to, to try out that in a large scale. Uh, so non-aligned, I think, was absolutely sensible thing to do because we somehow managed without getting into either camp, somehow survived. And that is more or less arriving now. Uh, then now they say about, you know, the socialism, Nehru socialism, which was building big dams and industry, iron, steel, and so on and so forth. The problem was at that time, the Indian industrialists didn't have the wherewithal to really set up these huge things. If they'd asked them to, even a consortium of industrialists to put up the Bakranagar Dam, they would not have done it. I think there was something called the Bombay Plan, where the industrialists came together, and they went to Nehru and said, you know, steel, iron and steel, uh, oil, coal that the government has to actually develop so we don't have the resources for it so by the say 70s 80s now the industries had grown and then they wanted okay now we can handle it so the, there was a paradigm shift but uh you can't blame nehru you know again in hindsight it's sort mm. of blaming him i think you made an interesting uh, point about India not being economically strong enough. Do you feel like that's also an aspect that's not talked about enough in terms of the aggression that we see on the world stage? Uh, in Pakistan, the comments of the external affairs minister were also juxtaposed with a clip from uh, some podcast, I've got the name, where uh, he's asked about China and he said, we're, we're the smaller economy, they're the bigger economy. So for, uh, for yeah. you to expect for us to be aggressive against them is stupid. So I think India right now can afford to be aggressive towards Pakistan because it's, it's not even a comparison yeah. in terms of our economy. Yeah. Our economy. I mean, whether outspoken or not, that idea is there that, you know, now we've moved. So we don't have to really, uh, that I mean, for a long time, that hyphenation was something which they wanted to fight politically. Foreign office would take it up to the, with the Americans. Don't hyphenate us. Don't say India or Pakistan. We are different. Now, I think they feel it has been achieved in economic terms. So that uh, hyphenation, you don't have to fight it anymore. It's there. And do you think that's also linked uh, to the, the restricting space for the left and this uh, right ideology maybe dominating a lot more? See, uh, leftism in India has not been very Pakistan defined. I mean, it's there, peace with Pakistan might be there in the left agenda, but like, I think in the left agenda in Pakistan, peace with India looms much higher than it does in the left agenda. I mean, uh, so the left parties have, would say, yes, let's make peace, but it's not a priority for them. Mm. Uh, it's not even uh, very important, uh, that important. It should be there, but yeah, let's get to it. But, uh, whereas, uh, I think the India uh, equation is uh, almost politically defining no, in Pakistan. I mean, uh, left to right is defined by how you deal with India, to an extent, at least. I, I honestly, I think uh, the Indian media projects it a lot more. Uh, I more don't think India. I don't think India is a core issue for the Democrat vote. And I, okay. like, like you said, if are PPP, PMLN radically different on their India position? I'm not. Does Nawaz Sharif lose any of his voters by meeting Vajpayee or by meeting Modi? Uh, I don't uh, think so. And if the uh, far-right parties, which are the religious parties, might take yeah. that as a Hindu-Muslim issue, when have they ever won yeah. any majority I know, anywhere I know, in Pakistan? I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I mean, uh, even JUI, I think, actually, if you look at JUI's antecedents, they were not, uh, they came from the Nepali school, which was part of the national movement, you know, sort of, mm -hmm. sort of very different. So then Jamaat was just really been that hostile, I suppose. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And I think the, the, the prevalence of these parties is in KP, 
where also right. india is not yeah, big, where, that bigger concern whereas maybe afghanistan becomes a much bigger concern exactly exactly and kp the main the main parties i don't know if they're the main parties anymore the awami national party was definitely not hostile to india by any means i mean they, they've been wiped out uh, uh, okay. unfortunately okay. due to terrorism i mean they still exist okay. but, but they've they've been victims okay. of terrorism along with ppp uh, i don't think it's the political parties and i i'll frame it as a question to you do you feel like it's the establishment that's primarily to blame in pakistan for hampering the peace process with india see if you now this is a it's almost a matter of a, what you call it accepted wisdom on the side and i accept that wisdom i don't buck it uh, because i think there's been too often it has been shown that when something is moving then suddenly you find uh, the army or even the civilian bureaucracy stepping in and creating some sort of a problem and then we look at this whole unquestioned defense budget i mean see maybe we are connecting the dots you know too far apart dots but why do they do it because they want the defense budget uh, to be uh, unchecked the army has complete control so therefore that's why they are hostile to india that's why they keep uh, promoting it and the hostility i face personally which is largely from our lifafas i don't know this is called lifafas yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay so they were definitely sponsored i mean it was so pretty obvious sir. Uh, so i think that's what it is it becomes an easy talking point even right now with bilawal's visit was uh, contentious but if we're heading into elections let's say if elections right. happen in pakistan in october will india be a central issue for any party no is the move is the movement uh, towards elections and all the right, campaigns right. is anybody even thinking about india or the india policy not at all right now i think there's a war between pti okay. and the establishment which is central to right. how the elections okay. will happen india is not such a central no such central but i do think the establishment now has yeah. changed its tune on india i do think the establishment yeah. wants good economic relationships yeah 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 the bajwa looking what uh, to central asia and geoeconomics or whatever uh, it makes sense but whether it makes sense internally to the army i don't know when you came to pakistan in the 1990 did you also feel uh-huh. the establishment's presence i mean zaul haq had uh, just died after 11 years in power and then benazir had come and then her government was knocked yeah, yeah. off in a couple of years did yeah. you feel like this establishment coming back through nawaz sharif yeah at that beginning it was uh, you know i think uh, benazir was dismissed about a week or so after i uh, reached there and i got in found my feet when this happened and uh, and that it was a hostile takeover no? so you could really feel the entire thing and i think uh, in that situation the india factor is a little stronger you know they put a little bit more pressure on the indians and not just the journalists there is a very few but even the diplomats around it uh and when nawaz sharif took over it was definitely maybe it was a subjective feeling that so oh, that was going to be bad uh and uh, i think for about a 6 months at least the propaganda everything was very hostile you know? uh, and then it eased off and then it really eased off then it became quite uh, became almost like normal and because again then the attention turned to ashari for his account so we were off the hook and actually the best times were when the caretakers were there so the second when uh, mazari became the caretaker then it was like we were just left and even when moin kurishi became the caretaker there was just no pressure at all and when so you were was, going when you were going to the rallies and nawaz sharif was campaigning against benazir what was the main uh, thrust of those arguments was it that punjabiyat was it islam was it a return to zia it was return to zia uh, i think punjabiyat was not there actually it was more uh, Uh, I think at that time PPP was still a Punjab party. It's not a completely Sindh party. It was still a Punjabi. I think Namashiv did Punjab. use that fact that the Sindhis ruling over you. Jag Punjab Jag was one of the slogans. Uh, yeah, 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 Jag Punjab Jag. That was definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and then you had all these Chaudhrys and uh, Rajas and all that. You know, so swaggering on the place. So that became, I mean, as compared to a Sindhi feudal and a Punjabi feudal sort of a clash. 
that was there. But I think Islam, uh, to an extent, uh, well, of course, I mean, yeah, Islam was there, India. And what else has returned to Zia mean? Uh, uh, I mean, okay, maybe not the Hadood so much, not so much of the caning and, you know, in fact, I, I expected, I mean, I, uh, the parda, I expected a lot more parda when I went there. So, Islamabad is quite a liberal city. Yeah, but even Lahore, Karachi, I mean, Karachi, of course, was completely different. Yes. But even Lahore was not, uh, or even in the villages, I mean, I don't find so much of Burka in the villages. So we went to Swat at that time. I know what Swat is like now after the Taliban has had its thing. But I mean, Peshawar was, I mean, you could feel it. it's uh, like it's a male dominated. But uh, otherwise, uh, not at all. I mean, uh, and, and yeah, maybe Nawaz Sharif rallies were more masculine, so there was a little bit more aggression. Because PPP always had a sprinkle of women there in the rally, so it was. Little softer, so to say. Mm. Uh, and then I think these guys were intimidated, the BPP guys. The Jialas were really, uh, they knew they were, they better behave. Something's going to happen. So. Who was. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, sorry. How was the mood uh, on the street when Benazir was dismissed? Actually, Islamabad, no mood. I mean, you know, yeah. Islamabad is. So, except for the Jialas and PM, the PMO, <laughs> I mean, the, the house. I'm sorry, in fact, I was surprised that nothing came out, you know. I mean, that's uh, a good uh, description of Islamabad. Islamabad, no mood. That's how Islamabad <laughs> is even to this day. <laughs> even with all these rallies which uh, Imran took out, that, Those are some mood. <laughs> those, those, that's why Islamabad, nothing happens in Islamabad, which is why all the rallies uh, happen. Uh, so that the people uh, have yeah, something absolutely. to do. That is one sad part of being a correspondent in Pakistan. Because you're confined so much to Islamabad, you really don't... Uh, get the feel of the country, you know, you have to go out, unfortunately, mm -hmm. I managed a bit, but uh, otherwise you, you're sort of stuck in a very artificial sort of a world, you know. Yeah. What were you doing in Swat and how was Swat? Oh, Swat, right of we just were given this thing and said, go. So we just took a holiday, just took a car, went. Nice. And, you know, it was just great, it was fantastic, it was, and no hassle and absolute, I mean, it was just wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful city. Yeah. How is it now? How is it? Have they developed those parts since those Kalam and things like that? They, I thought there has been uh, some. There has been some development. I think more towards the Hunza side. Uh, there's a lot okay. more commercialization of Hunza. Uh, I think, uh, I think uh, with with the last government and the last regime, some terrorist footholds are back and strongholds are back oh, in, oh, oh. in that part, uh, especially around Swat. And uh, I think there is some categorization in India, unfortunately, of the people of Pakistan being terror sympathizers. But even in Pakistan, these these racist attitudes exist, whereas maybe people in the cosmopolitan cities think people in the yeah. north and KP are terror sympathizers. But the yeah. biggest yeah. anti-TTB protests have actually happened in KP, which do not get mainstream coverage for obvious reasons. But the right. people of KP are sick of terrorism and they want to get rid of terrorism but uh, the establishment interests were against the people and i think this regime is trying to change that but the last regime oh. the, especially i think yeah. Imran Khan being called Taliban Khan and General Fares going to okay. Afghanistan there was there was this feeling that they're a pro ttp pre pro Taliban at least if not ttp government but that that seems to be changing with the new chief of oh. Al Oh. What about this uh, new movement there, this uh, Pashtun movement, young youth movement? Pashtun Tawal movement, that has existed for yeah, many yeah. years at this point. I think oh, that's yeah. also linked to uh, letting terrorists form strongholds in their region oh, and then turning oh, them into refugees and then not respecting oh, their homes and their lives oh, and then insulting them at checkpoints and arresting them or creating missing people for no reason. So that's a very organic people's movement that has come from KP. So even when the mainstream parties pretend to be anti-establishment, the fact that they still don't venture out so much where they'll support PTM right. and their legitimate causes uh, makes you realize that these elite politicians have certain boundaries which even they're not allowed to cross even when they pretend to be anti-establishment. But is it that or is it, you know, because when I covered the Punjab, Punjab, the Khalistan movement is on, 
the mainstream parties they couldn't they couldn't operate the it was the rural areas was like it was almost no go area it, it was it was a war zone the cops and the terrorists and i mean uh, so this guy the kps kid might have been whatever but I mean, even if they can't allow to operate physically, at least right. they can say things. So even when PTI uh, was talking about being anti-establishment and right. using anti-establishment yeah. rhetoric, uh, their politicians were still calling PTM raw agents. So they're still uh, peddling the establishment's narrative uh, against the these land, individuals. Yeah. So uh, you pretend to be anti-establishment, but you're saying right. every single thing the establishment has said for the last 70 years. Uh, Modi ka jo yaar hai, gaddar hai. ओ it's quite close to him business brother hmm. i think he he died last year or something so at that time he was just you know prison had become very quiet sort of withdrawn so meer bakhsh was trying to work his way towards nawaz sharif so he would be quite open about what's happening and he was still in that uh, old baloch move of you know let's act independently on that but then you could see him as that you know how difficult it is to do anything here it's sort of that feeling of futility coming mm. in which i think is where my respect for nawaz sharif really went up because uh, he said whatever it is you know use the facts money or whatever it was to you know chaudhry dasar's brother dabi so and so kazir dabi whatever it is photos go and sort of break that dirty uh, nexus so i think and, and janju i think was a much more relaxed guy also i think he wanted to asun janju i'm saying Mm. You know, I think he wanted to step back from this whole thing. So everything worked together at that point, particular point of time. But then again, no, I should. There are a lot of conspiracy theories around what happened to Asano Azimov. Okay, that's. Well, uh, yeah, but then the guy who succeeded him was not so bad either. So Kakad, Rahit Kakad was also not so bad. Of course, Nawaz Sharif put the other guy, the Pulwam Chaudhary, on the side. So I didn't know that how good that was. Um. Did you meet any other politicians during that time? How was your experiences with them? Since yeah, yeah, I met quite a lot of them. Uh, many of them. See, the problem is a lot of them are not too willing to be associated with Indians for obvious reasons. But one guy who was very open, I found, was Chaudhary Altaf Hussain, Jairam. He was a Mindi from Jairam. Oh, this guy is, I think, uncle. Your Wajad. उटर Particular issues because they can't they cannot answer they will not answer so it's better to talk gently and then it's very nice because they have a different perspective they see politics from a for a long time and things so it's of no use to you directly you can't write a story out of that but as deep background it's uh, and there was another chap I don't remember his name now he was a very fiery pro Nawaz guy then he became a very anti Nawaz guy uh, then so that chap then. Nasrullah Khan was still. I mean, at a press conference, he could be Nawabzada. He could be a little expansive. Farooq Lagari, at times the PPP guys, they would at a press conference about be fairly expansive, but would really couldn't get to know. Uh, again, I think it's the same India factor coming. You know, they don't want to be seen to be too close. Uh, I think uh, that was my general experience. You know, someone would um, Majid Malik. We're talking to you, and then suddenly you, you see the withdrawing taking place. So, <laughs> what what would you say are your major takeaways, your notes on Pakistan from your three years stint here? Uh, 
I think one is on the general light, general thing about the say about democracy. You know, I mean, mm. what we have gained by democracy is, I mean, it's it's a it's a treasure which you know when you go where that it's not it's it's lost it's not there it's what you really one uh, thing, but definitely as far as people are concerned, I mean, it's the same. I think, except uh, religion maybe it's religion is a form of religion. It's, Mm. Uh, I think I mentioned there it's that you know there is a I think that is a sad part. There's a gentle side of the religion, the family oriented, you know, mm. uh, family ke dua kare, that sort of you know, praying for the family, which is unfortunately not uh, coming out. That's uh, because of this overall politicized uh, religion. I'm not just talking about Islam; it can happen in any religion. It's politicized. Uh, then the generosity, generally. Generally, are but then Punjabis on both sides, big-hearted people. So, uh, but actually, but for me, Sindhis, I never had much time in, in Baluchistan or Peshawar. KP, yeah, Swat. Again, very good. Uh, what is could I say? I think. So when you say when never tell them we're the same people, uh, maybe yeah. person in Lahore and person in Amritsar and Delhi have yeah. a lot more in common. But would you say somebody who's come from the south and he goes to Sawat and meets people there, would you would you look yeah. at the people of Sawat and be like, oh, I'm the same person as them? See, actually, Sareen Sahib, who told me this, his thing was as a warning. We don't go around. I think, uh, I think it's what uh, to the guy who runs a Naya Daur. Raza Rumi. I think that's the name. Uh, he says he was holding a seminar somewhere and someone, some Indian in the audience kept asking him something and, and they, uh, he said, Pakistan exists, so it comes to terms of that. So I think that is the thing what Sarin Sahib was actually warning me about. It's a country which exists, I accept that. Then you talk about cultural affinities and stuff like that. But don't go around. I mean, I've been to Sri Lankans with Nepalese, with I've not met Bangladeshis much, but Sri Lankans are definitely there. You guys lay off. Don't, no, don't act the big brother. We know what we are doing. You look after yourselves. So, so that uh, I think that respect for other people is something which we lack. I think I haven't had time to read the book yet, but I read that anecdote you have written about Shweb Hashmi, what he said on the matter. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was all, hey, uh, same language, same same food, same uh, same. We laugh the same jokes. We listen to the same music. Yes, but you are different. But uh, I think that that we are different. You know, that line is is important. I think about. So I mean, we have discussed well, a lot. Gee, uh, gee. No, I think seventy years. I mean, everyone has to recognize that certain things have changed, isn't it? Hmm. I mean. I think I'll just go through my last chapter. I mean, we, certain things you can't go back to. We can have open trade, you can have free travel, visit, all that. We have that in Sri Lanka, but there is still a difference. I think there is insecurity, especially state. We state, uh, I think uh, once we set uh, that aside, once we accept that Pakistan is a separate country, uh, it won't we won't have issues like this ke basant mat banao ye indian hai matlab is saalon se yahan basant banayi ja rahi hai decades se manayi ja rahi hai to kyun wo indian hai bhai to wo aap own kar le mana le so so these things need to just stop ke festival yeah, I mean, what is the holy just you're just throwing water on someone color on someone what does it matter I mean, it doesn't do anything to change identity so yeah, so there are events that happen in in lahore that i've even gone to are called rang क्या बनाएंगे जब दोनों का परफॉर्मेंस कल्चर की हिस्ट्री सेम है सेम जगह से आ रही है लिटरली जो पारसी थिएटर कंपनीज जिनकी स्क्रिप्ट exactly. से निकला है वो लाहौर exactly. 
I know Salim Javed, they were the main script writers for, for how long, yeah, in India. Yeah, yeah. So, it has to have been, if you look at the old actors, I mean, you have, uh, I mean, even, even the Hindu actors, say, this guy, the old man, Prithraj Kapoor, he's from, culturally, he's not from this side, he's from that side, so. I think Dilip Kumar is from Peshawar. He is, of course, he's, yeah. He is from, uh, yeah, Peshawar or even, maybe even further, somewhere, or something like that. So, uh, I, I think see, the thing is, I thought Iranians, Iranians don't have this hassle about accepting uh, whatever, you know, about their past or whatever. There are, they still celebrate it and stuff like that. I think I'm the Pakistan about that discussed as we move towards ending this podcast. How is uh, yeah. and a lot of people actually ask this question? How has India changed in the past decade, or how is India changing? See, one thing is this Narasimha Rao's reforms of 1980. Well, 1980, sorry. Actually, look at it some way. Actually, Rajiv Gandhi started off because he's a this idea of computerization. This, we had this when I was growing up, college and all that. It's, we were a very, what do you call it, very insular people. That, you know, it's a best guy. So Rahul, I mean, Rajiv Gandhi started changing that. But he couldn't do much. And then the reforms uh, which Narasimha Rao broke in, and then the entire takeoff of the whole IT business and stuff like that. So uh, I think that's the insularity went. Then you had this, uh, you know, you could feel the change when traveling in the Middle East itself. Earlier, they looked at Indians, it's like, you come here to do construction work, but then it became, you are IT professionals. So your, you know, your status changed. And, uh, so I think with that, to an extent, aggression also is coming. It's also turning into state aggression kind of thing. So that is there. Uh, as more social mores are changing quite a lot. Uh, I mean, say the younger generation, I think caste consciousness is coming down quite a lot in the cities. Uh, even you now, because of this, there's been a communal, I wouldn't say so much, but caste consciousness to a certain extent has come down. Uh, regional things have changed. The regional, you know, so much of uh, earlier, Punjabi for us in the south was completely strange animals. That is gone. There's a lot more acceptance. I mean, now in our weddings, now deep south, we have Bhakra. So, <laughs> what the hell is happening? The guy doesn't even know how to do it. So, uh, the thing that you're saying, caste consciousness, is that new? Because I, we, I had Dr. Suraj Yangde on the podcast, and uh, uh, it, it seems to be that that's always been the case that, that realization of caste. The caste has always been there, no? it's in our DNA, so for Hindus, uh, caste identity has been there. Uh, but what I'm saying is the current generation, my daughter does not, I don't know if she knows which caste she belongs to. So, mm. so the, it's, it's eroding, which is one big change for the positive which is happening here. I mean, okay, I, let's, let's not carry, go too far. It's a Dalit acceptance, acceptance of Dalits in mainstream society is still uh, far less than optimal. So in spite of all the affirmative action and all that, you still don't find them, too many of them in your general circles. I mean, we might make icons of Ambedkar or Kiyarna, but not, they're not there generally. Uh, the scheduled tribes, we have these tribes from various parts. From the Northeast, they're generally more westernized and all that, so they get a little bit more uh, in the general uh, metro circles. But they say guys from Jharkhand or Bihar, that area, tribals, they are not really integrated. But within uh, below Brahmse, Rajput, down to a Yadav level of caste, you are familiar with these things, there's a lot more of intermingling than there was before. Maybe I guess we're we're just relying on media, so when we see a a public reassertion of identity, whether that's religious or caste, we, oh, we think it, it of we, think, yeah. we yeah. think of that as something new. But maybe people living in India 
maybe a lot more conscious of how that's developing or how new or old that is yeah yeah because election election time it uh, see most states you would find election coverage you say you see any constancy this is so much discussed so much discussions that much mm. and parties choose the what you would call brothers you know, they choose mm-hmm. the candidate according to that this thing but see every party is choosing guys on the same sort of a setup no so how much you know ultimately how much is a person voting for a caste or is it because that guy is a much more accessible guy they don't know mm-hmm. but in the general discourse caste is still there but if you look at in terms of interaction at office places or things like that it's almost so you, you don't it's become now politically polite to ask a person in caste if you have a name like kumar it could be anything so you don't ask him uh, what kind of kumar are you it's interesting that uh, it might not be coming from religion but again we're the same people so there is so much discussion around caste in pakistan as well and uh, right. it, i would assume that it's antithetical to the religious beliefs of uh, muslims but that caste consciousness exists kya aap anhaiye hain aap choudhari hain aap kya hain and what that entails uh, the what that name right. entails yeah. It, yeah. there is definitely a consciousness around that yeah. in especially in the old generation again the new yeah, yeah. liberal urban centers these things matter less and less yeah, exactly 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 yeah. uh, and okay one thing there as well as here i think the green revolution has spread these urban values a bit further than uh, you know than you would have nobody expected so you know the person who came, who came uh, junaid is in it who's in us who come to gujarat and eat uzair yunus uzair so he was talking about these girls driving scooters in rural mm-hmm. areas so that is quite common now all through india so that is definitely a green revolution by product women you know the general subcontinental attitude towards women uh, there's a different crack there so i think if india and pakistan is... start competing on this front that how many uh, women uh, we will have on scooters and in the workforce as opposed to the pissing contests that we usually have <laughs> that will be better for both of our no, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely it was a pleasure talking to you sir let's end it with this question can we be friends yeah. can we can india pakistan be friends <laughs> i don't know about the official level but i think as people to people i think definitely we thought already yeah already so why can't we be friends at an official level we let us officials i think they get a lot of <laughs> one one get their kicks out of it. <laughs> one can hope maybe i think yeah, with elections yeah. and once once the elections are out of the way things might get better yeah. i think more interaction i mean i think uh, in the gulf there's so much of interaction mm. that uh, people who have been there don't feel the difference i think a little bit more in the us the uk they are almost together with Uh, fight the gora together there so yeah so maybe you know that sort of way maybe <laughs> hopefully one one can hope more interactions more uh, exactly uh, exactly more conversations main yahi aapko kya aasha ke liye karta hu no that's why i like baatein kar sakta hu i know hmm i think more Ab- books more writing more articles uh, टॉपिक and i think maybe having more cross border conversations might add a lot more depth to what we say about the subject as well and i'm conscious that my knowledge of modi and bjp and hindutva will never be as strong as my knowledge and my lived experiences of pakistan and politics here Probably, yeah yeah so like one thing i i sort of want to tell people that at that time they should compare the bjp with jamaat islami which was not at that time of fair at that so now okay now there's been a lot more of the aggressive hinduism coming uh hindu politics but at that time it was more at the pml they are a party for hindus uh, so that's why it's always feel that you know it was not a jamaat islami kind of you know 
the BGP at that time did not have a Hindu ideological this thing, it was more identity politics, like the PMN. Uh, so I'm saying that's the perceptions. How now? I also, when I even though I stayed there, I've been there three years. I don't have in-depth knowledge of the workings of the Jamaat or even the PMN. So I have to go by a lot by second-hand information of what Pakistani analysts tell me about what it is. And therefore, any second-hand, I'm automatically removing myself from an intimate knowledge of uh, things. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think. I, mean, I know about India, about how well mm. I know certain UP or Bihar, because I've not been there. I can rely on friends to tell me. Interesting that the PMLN has actually gone the other way. It was also shocking for me to see Rana Sanawala defend the Aurat March on TV. And this was somebody who's said many regressive, problematic things on television. So a party that okay. uh, was born in the lap of Zaya. Now it's part yeah. of a lot of progressive values and talks about misogyny, even though they still have people like Dalal Chaudhary who'll say the most reprehensible things. But they don't, I don't see them relying on that. Uh, yeah, that kind of they are in Islam too. anymore and they espouse or at least pretend to espouse a lot more progressive values. So it's a bit surprising for me as well to see PMLN become woke like this. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But I suppose in terms of Rana Sanawla, mm. I think he got bitten by the same thing. No? So these guys put him inside for mm. alleged heroin or something like that. And he got bitten yeah, by yeah, the yeah. same thing. So, I mean, if we are to assume that the current government is on the same page as the establishment, so he's working with the establishment, but yeah. the establishment in Pakistan has also been patriarchal historically. So I don't think he wins any brownie points with them by so uh, defending okay. the Aurat March. But it was just a bit surprising to see. Uh, what uh, the, since we've already started talking about it, I'd love to know more and uh, improve my knowledge. What's your take on the whole Hindutva politics? See, I come from my, my entire background, my uh, college days, everything. Mm -hmm. I'm from, I'm not a member of a left party, but my attitude was from that side. Okay. Mm -hmm. So obviously a lot of the excesses, obviously, I mean, that any human being will not tolerate those excesses. Uh, actually, I sort of, I'm working my way through a lot, the, lot of the, I'm more into the nuances now, so I'm trying to work mm -hmm. my way through it. The broad thing you can say, you know, uh, slaughtering a person on the basis of religion is ridiculous, it's only supported, no one can support it. But things like, uh, I mean, there's undeniably, uh, the cultural thing towards the West, and I, this thing implanted in all of us, you know, that the West is superior. Mm. Uh, and uh, some sort of an urge to rediscover our roots and say we are equal. So that urge, I definitely do sympathize with. Uh, now, whether that go, I would not go to the extent of saying we were superior, but uh, in the overall exchange from the 15th century onwards, there were a lot of things they took from us, which they amalgamated into a world system. So, uh, this cultural assertion of our own value, I think is not something to be dismissed out of hand, you know, that part of it. So, there are certain things in the Hindutva movement which, which are definitely uh, needs to be, from my, point, from my point of view, needs to be looked at seriously. It's not uh, just, uh, just sort of dismiss them all in the world one pressure. Uh, like I said, certain excesses, I mean, there's no what happened in Gujarat, Gujarat, I mean, how, no one can justify it, there's no this thing. And revision of history again, now, the Mughals, how do you, how do you evaluate the Mughals? If you look at it one way, they were not colonialists, whatever they earned, they spent here, they didn't take it out. And now the good Mughals, like no, uh, Akbar, Jahangir, Shah Jahan, they definitely added to the cultural wealth uh, of the country. Uh, now there were Hindus who served them, who probably knew them better than us, who were sitting in judgment. No. So, uh, so that's, uh, I mean, the best thing is to bring it all out, let it all come out, all the truths mm. come out, and then we uh, make up your minds. Why? Uh, you know, 
Why just condemn? No, someone like Bhatiyar Kilji, he goes out to Nalanda and burns a university. You know, how can anyone praise him there? He's as bad as Kulagu. Kulagu can't come in burning Baghdad. So it's, it's, a, it's a crime against humanity, those sort of things. Mm. So it's not just now, less one Bhatiyar Kilji, therefore you put the whole community in a thing. Uh, look at an, a, an AD at the same time and then, you know, you uh, do, do the comparison. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more to us than just our singular identities and any yeah, effort yeah. to reduce us to that. Uh, just yeah. uh, just narrows down the rich history of the human experience that has existed. Yeah. Thank you so much, sir, for your time. And thank you. Uh, thanks, a thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. So, yeah. So, nice. Let's be in touch. Done, sir. Pleasure talking to you. And okay. now you're listening. Take care.